welcome to another episode of NP Edgar. I'm your host, Edgar Montplaisir. Uh, if you're one of those fans who can't help but tell me that they see an NP Edgar episode and immediately turn it off, I'll give you the time to do so now. But if you aren't one of those people, perhaps you are listening in your car. Perhaps you're listening in a plane. Perhaps you're listening in an alternate timeline in which President Robert Redford has given out redforations to people who have suffered from black uh, violence, anti-black violence. And you're listening to this in a nice, well-built mansion home. I'm your host, Edgar Montpazier, and I will be speaking with... Anna Salinas, and uh, you know, Anna and I do a lot of bits on Twitter, but perhaps today we can take this opportunity to have a very open, have a very vulnerable, very real conversation. My guess is that Anna will continue to do bits because vulnerability is not a strong suit of hers. But Jesus Christ. <laughs> Way to set me up for success. <laughs> what but do you want, Edgar? That is my guest today is Anna Salinas. Good evening, Anna. How are you? It's the morning. Well, it's the day. Uh, yeah, we're both wrong. The, How about that? Yeah, we're both wrong. It's 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah, it's not the morning at all. <laughs> it's not the evening. It's a lot closer to evening than it is morning. It depends on what time your morning is. No. <laughs> My morning's at 12. That's not the morning. That's objectively not the morning. Sometimes I have breakfast at 12. Is this what you want this episode to be? No, I don't. I don't. The hope was that... Can you edit that part out? <laughs> no, it's going to stay in. The hope was that uh, Jaquise and I would be able to talk to you. I was going to play a game with the two of you guys. I had written a game called Who Knows Me Better, My Co-Host or My Girlfriend. Oh. And so that's what we're not getting. Yeah, we're not going to be able to do that because Jaquise is not present. Okay. So it's just you and I. Jaquise got... So who knows you better, me or me? Well, I mean, the answer is neither of you. Uh, That's crazy. I know you better than you know yourself. What gives you that impression? Uh, ask me any question. Okay. And I'll ask you a question in return. Okay. Uh, I'll play this game with you and before we get into the meat of this podcast. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. What was the name of my elementary school? I've, I know I've heard it because it was in Yonkers. That is correct. And I want to say you went to a Christian school. That is, well, yeah, I've gone to Christian school my entire life. Yes. You also went to that charter school. Yes, for two years. That yeah. is correct. Which was like Success Academy or something. That is in Harlem and I did not go there. What was the one you went to? Idea. Individuals Idea. dedicated to right. excellence Idea. and achievement. I don't know the name of your Yonkers school, but it's pretty good that I know it was a Christian school in Yonkers. I mean, you know where I grew up, and you yeah, know that I'm Christian. Still, sure, sure. That's pretty good. Okay, okay. What was the name of it? Oakview Preparatory School mm. in Yonkers, New York. You know, I've named a school in a script, Oakview. Really? Yeah. Cause I was went it to one word or two words? I made it one. Okay. Our school was also one. The Oakview Angels. <laughs> Green and gold was our colors. Okay. Well, it was just a Christian school, not a charter school, right? Yes, it was an Adventist yeah. school. But I, I guess they used the word preparatory because it was supposed to be... Yeah, that makes it sound like a good school. Yeah, exactly. It was. It was a good school. I yeah. learned a lot being there. Was it? 
Yes, yes. Uh, I think something that happened at that school that couldn't happen now is that teachers could physically beat you. Wow. Really? Yeah. They hit you? Yeah. Miss Mrs. Roberts in third grade would beat kids while dragging them. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. That could not happen now. No, it could not happen now. That would be go on Instagram and it'll yes. be done. It'd be yeah. over. Or go no, on this Twitter. This was third grade. I think third grade and below. Maybe fourth. Yeah, Miss Ash didn't really hit us. Third grade and below. But I think I so told like this story. So, like, several out. teachers did. Oh, of course. Yes. I also think it has something to do with a Christian school because I feel yes. like... The rules, I mean, I know this to be true. The oversight in Christian schools is different than in public schools. Yeah, you're not reporting to any sort of higher power except for the church. Whereas I will say in public schools, other lines that were crossed is like, for example, emotional abuse in public schools, like being bullied by your teachers, very prevalent and your teachers like cursing you out and stuff. Wow, really? Yeah, we had a teacher curse us out, but... And, like, she got a slap on the wrist, I guess. But it's weird when, in public schools, too, you have the teachers' union. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, impossible to fire a teacher. So, really? like, mean, bad teachers. Can just stay a while. Stayed. Which, look, I've been a teacher. It's hard for teachers. I don't mean to shit talk teachers. But there's just, there's some cons. But I also think um, at private schools, because there's no super, or there's no, like, who do they, like, the church is their oversight, right? Essentially, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's like a school board and stuff like that, but they are all from the church. From like, the they're church. They're all people who are Adventists as well. Because I used to hear about, like, in Catholic school, you got beat by the nuns or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was essentially kind of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, we got the ruler sometimes. Really? It was like a really long, it's a yardstick. Whoa. We would yeah. get hit with that sometimes. We'd have chalk thrown at us. Stuff like that. Chalk thrown at you? Yeah, Mr. Thompson would throw chalk at us. God, that's like objectively a bad way to be a teacher. <laughs> and I say well, Mr. that Thompson was having a been a teacher. Who would sub sometimes, and yeah, he'd throw chalk yeah, if you talking. If you are losing control of your emotions in charge of a group of students, you're not going to gain more control by beating them. Yeah, I mean, look, it struck fear into us. Um, and then you're going to go project that anger from getting beat onto someone else i did sympathize with mr thompson because he got in trouble one time for beating you guys no um, <laughs> no he was allowed to do that andrew and another kid uh-huh they were they mm-hmm. were um do you know they were playing one time and they were separated from us for some reason and i felt bad for mr thompson because one time he had given Andrew and I want to say it wasn't Andre it was another kid it doesn't matter they were separated like they were put in the back of class Mm -hmm. because they were acting up and stuff like that and they were working on a puzzle for some reason the way that they punish kids at my school were so weird but they were working (laughs) on a puzzle while the rest of us were doing school work and they were arguing over a piece Mm -hmm. and the other kid put Andrew in a wrestling move hold that was so painful it fractured Andrew's leg Whoa. And that was on Mr. Thompson's watch. And I remember him being disciplined for it, Mr. Thompson. Like he was like suspended from work for a bit. Wow. That's actually pretty surprising because when I was a teacher, if another kid hit another kid and you were there, I mean, it was really bad. It did reflect on you, but you weren't in trouble for it. He broke his leg. 
So, but this Andrew teacher came back in the cast. Jesus Christ! But the teacher <laughs> was a bad teacher. Like he wasn't doing a good job. I mean, he was never supposed to be a sub. On, a sub. Yeah. He was our gym teacher. He was a Jamaican man. Yeah. It was uh, you know, I don't even know if he was an American citizen. If I'm being 100 percent honest with you, because mm-hmm. I remember that being a thing with it as well. Oh, interesting. Was that he can get in some serious trouble? Oh, because of liability. Yes. Yeah, and if they're, if, yeah, I could see that. I am an intrigued, and as someone who worked in teaching, of how much responsibility you have in that situation. Yeah. Um, okay, it depends. So I, do you know the name of the school I taught at? This is the, this is the test for you. No, I do not. And I I'm taught not at a few pretend. schools, but the main school I taught at. Nope. Do you know the Charter Network? No. Damn, Edgar, come on. I talk about it all the time. I'm sorry. Do you know the area? Sorry, I don't. The city? Los Angeles? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Oh, well, you lose. (laughs) Well, go ahead and tell your story. (laughs) Okay, Kip Comienza. Kip. I remember Kip. Kip Charter School. Yes. Some good and some bad. I mean, I worked... There was a lot of good at my school, but KIPP is a tough network. But um, so it was a little understaffed, Mm -hmm. which is just how this works when you're a charter school that's just starting out. Sometimes you sacrifice things for other things. So we had classes of 30 rather than 22 because it meant more money per student, which meant more resources for the school, which like did get funneled back to the students because teachers weren't paid much. But the students got a lot of cool services like um, art every single day and like Mm. a well-funded art program with lots of like field trips and materials. Anyway, I was the restraint trained person. There were maybe three restraint trained people. This And I know what restraint training is because I've talked to you and a couple of other Mm -hmm. of these teachers with it. It sounds so weird and problematic to me. Can you unpack what that is for some of the so, listeners at home? Yeah. So at my school, I did work at a school that had a security guard in Watts, um, which was more necessary in that where that school was specifically because there were more shootings, but it, and there weren't really in Huntington Park. So it was like, first of all, it was a female of all women. One, there was a guy that worked there briefly, but mostly all women. And you have your principal, your school leader, who is sometimes subbing classes because it's such a small staff. You have like Mm -hmm. your office lady who's in the office, maybe one other person there who's not full time. Mm -hmm. Your cafeteria lady who's also not full time. Your cleaning lady, custodian, who's also like, she's there, but working a lot because she's the only person and at that time we were four grades we went from i want to say well i was there we had four grade levels and then three and then four um you have your main classroom teachers who are tied to the class they're teaching because there's a room full of five-year-olds or six-year-olds or seven-year-olds um so they can't leave so what happens is the specials teachers, which is what I was, who go from class to class teaching their special, um, are the only people really that have that flexibility where they can go where they're needed when they're called upon. Because like if I'm teaching an art class and I'm called upon, the lead teacher could come back into the class to 
yes, watch them. What is the restraint again? Like I, I, okay, I feel so like I'm just people setting really the need scene, to know what this right? thing is because it is fucking bizarre. To so me. here's a group of mostly women in their 20s and early 30s. Mm-hmm. Very limited group and a lot of five, six, and seven-year-olds. Some of whom, because we're working in a low-income area, have a lot of emotional trauma. Sure, I think they also have emotional trauma because they're kids, but yeah. Yeah, but Edgar, we would deal with kids who were like... Who were seeing things at home, dealing with a lot of things, absolutely, yes. Who were, the stuff they were seeing was very traumatic. Yes. That happened more in Watts, but, um, and had emotional issues, Mm -hmm. and often, especially at that age, like undiagnosed emotional issues. Mm -hmm. So they would throw tantrums, and when a student throws a tantrum and becomes a danger to themselves or others, which is they're beating on a kid or doing something that's very harmful to themselves. throwing stuff or whatever. Some adult must step in. Mm -hmm. But in order to step in legally, you have to know how to keep the kid from doing whatever it is they're doing mm-hmm. in a way that won't hurt them, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. you can't just grab them. Yeah, because you could hurt, hurt them. You yeah. could end up injuring them and stuff so like that. So you have to learn how to hold them in a, in the safest way. Sure. Which is all fine and well. So I went and I got trained. And then what is the way? I don't even know if I remember. But the problem is when all of this happens in real time, unless like... I was 24 at the time. I'd had one session doing this. Mm. When it's a little kid, like a teeny little five-year-old, it's not a big deal. But some of those second graders are bigger. (laughs) And they're fighting you with all of their force. Sure, yeah. They're biting. Yeah. One of the kids would poop on command when he was angry. Poop on command when he was angry? He was five, but he would poop on command. Yeah, and like smear (laughs) places. Like... They're giving you everything. Yeah. And then they're screaming, crying. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like really emotionally difficult to do that and to be like, should I be doing this? Yeah. Is this right? No, I think no. Um, I I strongly think no. And again, I don't know anything about the field. So maybe perhaps. Well, someone has to. Yes. Yes. And again, I know nothing about the field. I did not receive a master's in education like you have. You have two masters. That's a fun fact about yourself. Don't say that. It it honestly sounds bad. You have two masters. It's like embarrassing because it's like, wow, you really didn't want to go into the workforce. Yeah, well, I mean, also, I feel like, you know, I think people also, maybe an older person who was like in their 50s or 60s would think that, but I think people our age and Gen X people understand that having degrees doesn't necessarily equate to what job you're having. I mean, I've been served coffee by people with PhDs before. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, okay. There's a lot wrong with it. Sure. And that that kind of thing also happens on high school campuses. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we met some Deshaun. We'll talk about in high school. It's a it's a whole nother ordeal because then like, they're strong. Yeah, and you have to be fat. Like yeah, the way that yeah. he was talking about the way that they pick the people to do it, it just seemed so like cop like to me. Where like it seemed like the, I could see someone be like, I want that job. I oh, want no one wants it. Job. It's truly the worst job ever. <laughs> and on our campus, no one wanted it. But you got to skip work one day, which was like, oh, that's something. But yeah, but okay. There was the one thing about having an all female staff and we had a staff that was mostly Latina actually, or at least woman of color. 
um, was you have to have a relationship with the student. Sure. You can't, you, it can't, and as you're doing this and restraining them, you cannot be doing any of it out of anger or frustration. <sighs> how which do is you hard. Even, how do you even control? I mean, because there you were fights. You have to be there to soothe. Well, and like I was trying to aim And out at, of love. Yeah. And like I was trying to aim at earlier, like I wasn't trying to say that, you know, that these kids weren't experiencing things. I just more so was a little bit on the defensive of you saying that. It felt like to me you were saying, and I don't think that's what you meant, but like because that they were in low income income in that they were in low income areas, they were more prone to violence, which is something I kind of back off of. No, look, but, I worked in two very different low income areas and it was they were two very different areas. Sure, and I think there's a lot of factors at play. But that being said, there were a lot of fights in my school which mm-hmm. was a private school that was supposed to be like, I mean, it still was a lot of kids from low-income areas and all that stuff, but they were just fights because, one, kids are just going to fucking fight. I, I truly do believe that. That's all um, true. But when you, I think, when you have a child see, and this can happen at any income level, but I think because of like, because of all the forces that come down on certain low-income sure. areas, especially in the city, sure, it's very hard to like, maintain peace yes within that so we would have students see like shootings happen i mean yes of course they've seen viol- i mean the and kind they of weren't, stuff they didn't have like a therapist on staff yes that know? is another thing is that perhaps their emotional needs aren't being met 100%. both at home and at school yeah but um the way that the teachers would break up the fights at my school was almost was as violent as the fights in and of themselves. And that's the problem because, and I, I really, you see it happen with teachers. Unfortunately, there's great teachers out there, but sure. I think where a bad teacher comes from, and when I was learning how to teach, I would do it, I think two to a degree. When you're reacting to something emotionally, like out of anger, out of frustration, sure, you are enacting trauma onto the student. Yeah. And that's why I think beating your students is bad. You also think that beating children is bad. I do. Uh, I was, And you uh, famously love it. I don't famously love it. <laughs> you I've famously just... have always said, when I have children, I will beat them. Like I said earlier, will Anna stop doing bits? <laughs> um, no. I mean, you know my past with it. I mean, I was thinking about it earlier in the shower. I was remembering one time. And the only reason, I mean, it's such a long story to explain what I was thinking about in the shower, which I don't think is relevant to the story. But What were you thinking about in the shower? My father was beating me one time. Right. Uh, with his belt. And, and I do think that my parents beat me out of anger. I think the more I talk about it, the more I'm just like, yeah, it was definitely, they never was, it was never the things that we would hear in Christian stories of like kids being put over the leg and being like, I'm so sorry, I have to do this. Right. It was always just like, how could you do this to me? You know, teeth gritting yeah. and all that stuff. And I, my uh, parents did do that to me from time to time. I got spanked. Yeah, we're not talking about Spake Exotic. Again, we, we've talked about this at length. Your but, um, parents are the sweetest people in the world. Your dad is the sweetest person I've ever You've met in my life. You've never seen that man fling, fling a belt at you in anger. You're right, but I'm just saying. But one time, I'll, he was giving it to me rough. Just okay. like whipping me and stuff like that with the belt. And I remember I said... Uh, this is so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to stop so bad. And I was a little older. I think I was at least, I had to at least be 14 and above because this was in Texas. Oh, that's very old. And they be... were beating me with yeah. this belt. 
And, you know, maybe I had, like, postured and tried to fight back a little. They didn't like when you pretended like you could take it. It would make them go harder. And I remember one time I just wanted to stop that I yelled out to God. And I said, God, if you make this stop, I'll be a, a, a missionary. And my dad <laughs> And my dad stopped and said, you better keep that promise. <laughs> and, and I have to tell you, Edgar, this does not square with the image of your dad I know. This, like truly kind sweet sweet man who on uh the sabbath when we weren't allowed to be watching tv with, with your parents came out and sheepishly started playing cards with us because your mom had gone to bed yeah my mom had gone to bed pretty upset um because because we were playing cards well i hadn't commi- no do you want me to say honestly on this podcast why she went to bed upset why i'll do so after the break we are back on this very special edition of NP Edgar where we're hoping to have a vulnerable conversation with Anna Salinas filmmaker comedian two masters have her um, that's how what don't include that it's embarrassing I spent a lot of time on a career I didn't pursue that doesn't look good in Hollywood that's not true and I, I also think that it's the story of a lot of people in Hollywood not comedians it feels like uh i want to say comedians mm. right jason manzoukas was working on wall street yeah but for how long i mean he was out here pretty early no he wasn't these people Anna, i i uh, we've argued about this a lot but i and also I don't you never prefaced what our affiliation is we're in a relationship well, okay. yeah this is your first time listening to culture kings which i highly doubt and if it is <laughs> i am so sorry that this is the episode that oh, you have don't to tune say into that. it's just so inside baseball the two of you the two of us having a conversation yeah okay that's true I'm not saying anything with the quality of the episode that's yet to be determined <laughs> i'm pressure but yes that being said I think that you have this idea of people that make it in this city that are supposed to be young and they went for it. That's such a small percentage of people. I think most people were doing something else and then got into this. You even hear that in your lab that you're doing. You're currently a blacklist woman in film fellow for episodic television. Is that not correct? Uh Uh-huh. And in the lab, aren't there people who had already pursued another career and are now doing this? So to them, you are the exact thing that you fear you are not. What? Someone who's just going for it straight up. They didn't dilly-dally in another career. Dilly-dally in another career. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I'm sorry I dilly-dallied in public education. You didn't. I (laughs) dilly-dallied. I don't know. I, I mean, you hear about people who were lawyers first. So many people went to law school. So Edgar, what did were, you do before? I dropped out of college and I went straight for this. But, I, <laughs> but I'm not successful. Yeah, you are. I'm not. You just wrote for the Emmys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wish, I wish people would stop bringing that up. Anyway, my oh, mother. My mother. I wish people would stop bringing up my success. My mother was upset that night uh, for uh-huh. those who tuned in after the break. Uh, because I refuse to commit to marrying you in front of her. I think the joke there is that she thinks it's your choice. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, yeah. You should have just told her that. I did. And she was like, it's your fault. Yeah. 
Why? She thinks it's, I mean, sexism is a thing, uh, probably, mm. in that. And I think it's just, like, ideals of, like, you know. I think, one, she was upset of the knowledge that you and I sleep in the same bed. Right. And you know what happened later on yeah. that weekend when we were caught. Literally only sleeping in the same room, not caught doing yeah, anything Yeah, we weren't else. even in a bed. Yeah. We were in two different beds because the beds in the hotel we were staying, we weren't staying in a hotel, we were staying in an Airbnb, and the beds in the With room were so small Yeah, that you and I, even if we had wanted to, could not share a bed. So I slept in, but my mom didn't know that because she didn't open the door. She's not a psychopath. <laughs> She just went downstairs to where I was supposed to be sleeping to wake me up there. for breakfast, and I was not there. She put two and two together and went there, sleeping in the same room. I guess it's weird for me because there is the other thing going on where your mom was like, you guys going to have kids? Yeah, she loves you. And she really wants you to have kids because, yes. you know, it's that time. How old was she when she had you? 27? Yes. Like my mom? Yes. Yeah. It's weird that both our moms were 27 and now I feel like there is this generational shift where like then late 20s was very much the norm and maybe it's because we live in LA it's older but now it feels like having kids in your late 20s in LA is irresponsible <laughs> insane yeah I mean I, I think like, uh, given I think how also it's our circle is. it's our circle here because if you go back to my circles back home again like I don't people I think we kids. have a I think people in LA have you know the tendency to speak about people within our circles as if it's the universal norm right um, but yeah no people have a lot of my friends are some of them on their second child I mean yeah and people from my high school have had kids but all those people like are living like adults. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. have like mortgages and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I do think that she has this expectation of where my career and my life should be. And I think, luckily, she's very happy with where my career is. Yeah. But she's unhappy with my family life. Because you're not married with kids? Yes. That's interesting. What about your brothers? Do they get that pressure, you think? I think Jonathan does. It is his 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how about yourself? Do you think that your mo- mother is happy with your family life currently? Hmm. It's hard to say. I think to a degree we maybe had different experiences growing up as a son and a daughter. Mm. Because growing up, I was not at all ingrained with this idea that I need to to like go be a provider for the family I would have. Yeah. But, but rather... I think the experience that you had is almost unique in some of the ideals that I've heard out there. I think my mom growing up was like, um, don't get trapped. Yeah. Don't get trapped by children. Yeah. Don't get trapped by marriage. Mm-hmm. Don't be dependent. Go have a career and pursue your great potential. Do you think any of that came from looking at her own life in a way? Of course. Mm. Cause she, I mean, she also, I don't, when she was growing up in Sweden and like rural Sweden, I don't think, I really wonder about that. I like what, what were the lengths of her dreams growing up? Yeah. And how much were they encouraged and fostered? Right. Cause I mean, she grew up poor. Look, I know it's Sweden, but it was rural Sweden. Hey, look, I, I, look and, no judgment here. I mean, 
Sure, yeah. She grew up poor in Sweden. I'm listening. <laughs> it's different than growing up poor in Haiti. But insofar as like her parents didn't like go to college or anything like that. Yeah. And like they, you know, her mom was a secretary, which was like honestly a lot for a woman. Yeah. <laughs> which is she like didn't have a job and then went and became a secretary which was like wow oh yeah people were like oh okay um and my grandpa was a he worked on ships um and i think yeah i just i don't think she was ever in a situation to be like i'm gonna go be an animated filmmaker or like i'm gonna be a famous painter or something Mm -hmm. even though she loved to draw always yeah so when she moved to she had moved to the U.S. when she started working on cruise ships. I met my dad. I think she was like, "Oh, I'm 23. I'm meeting this guy with a good job." Uh, they were engaged after six months after meeting each other, which is so fast. Jesus Christ! And she was 23. Yeah. Um, and I think then she was just like, "This is where my adventure is taking me. I'm marrying a Puerto Rican." Like. Don't say it like that. No, I just mean like from such a different culture. <laughs> yes, sure. Where she's this from is... in rural Sweden, yes. it is the most homogenous place yes. you've ever seen. And your parents did uh, suffer from some interracial uh, relationship judgment from Yeah, and people. I think my dad too, bringing home this blonde Swede. Like if anything, it worked that way where I don't think my mom's parents cared because they were like... I don't know if I don't know what they thought. They didn't seem to care because she was the middle child and whatever. Um, but my dad's parents were not into it. Yeah, which I can understand now. He brought home this skinny, pretty blonde who was seven years younger than him yeah. with no job. I'd be like, Rafa, come on. She just wants. I mean, this is what they were thinking, but she just wants your money. She doesn't actually care about yeah. you and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that those things are true. <laughs> I think they were in love, but um, yeah. And then she had a kid. Yourself, um, me. Yeah, and then I think she wakes up <laughs> and she's just like, "Oh wow, I have three kids." And, yeah, and you know, and she is passionate about exercise. Yes. And your mother's an incredibly fit person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, personal trainer and all that stuff. But I think she just never had the space to really dream beyond that. And so for me, who had those resources, Mm -hmm. who like was good at school, I think she was like, I was fine. My parents thought I was of average intelligence. For a while, because I overheard them on the phone. And they were like, well, honest, you know, she's not the smartest kid in the class, but she's like a B student. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, I think they were like, you have so many opportunities. Yeah. And they wanted you to capitalize on that. They just didn't understand what that meant. So when I said I wanted to go into the industry, they were like, what? No, no. We didn't mean that. We meant go be a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, I think immigrant parents have such a high bar for, like, and what they judge, like, you know, especially coming back from the countries that they came from, no one in Haiti was just like, hey, I'm going to go be a filmmaker. I mean, people were, sure, they're Haitian filmmakers, that's not what I'm saying, but, like, that wasn't a status thing. 
in Haiti. Yeah. So for my parents to hear that, they didn't get the same status feeling. Whereas growing that, up as a kid in LA, if you're like, I'm gonna go be a filmmaker, there's so many examples of it. Of course, it. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, to have all these other kids at, you know, my age who are also Haitian, being like, I'm gonna be an accountant, I'm gonna be a doctor, I'm gonna be a lawyer, and my kids are just like, yeah, my kid's going to fucking film school. And especially in the Adventist community, right? Like sure. so many people in medicine. Sure. That that's, there's so many examples of success as that. Yeah, and just the, expect, uh, it, it blows my mind how much the expectation thing is real, uh, of like what things are supposed to be and how much it affects my own mother. I have this distinct memory of being home few years ago, we were still at the Las Palmas house and my mom was just like furiously washing the dishes, like mm -hmm. upset. And I was just like, why are you washing the dishes like that? And she was telling me that she felt that she wasn't taking care of the house alone. And I want uh, uh, the house a lot as much as she should be. And I want to let you know some things. Mm -hmm. My mom is a predominant, I mean, you know these things, but for the listeners at home, my mother is the predominant breadwinner in our house. Right, she's a nurse. She's the she's a nurse practitioner, uh, and my father isn't working currently. He does make money off of some land that he owns, but not a lot. Uh, but my mom works two jobs. She also cooks a lot. Sure, she does all these things, and a lot of the reasons why she's doing them is because what she told me was, one day she came back from work, and my grandma said to her, and again. This is my grandma with dementia, with Alzheimer's, who's completely out of her mind. That's true. Said this thing to my mom that affected my mom and made her wash the dishes insanely. Uh -huh. uh, she said, you're not a good wife because your husband comes home and dinner's not ready. And I remember being like, that's crazy. You're working. He should have dinner ready for you. But my mom was like, that's not how it works. Like... There's just like this expectation of how things should be. And I think that that was a lot of what that conversation was when we went on that walk when we were over there for their anniversary was there's this expectation that I'm supposed to be getting ready so that you can chill back and relax so I can provide for you. I think you compare yourself to your dad a lot. And I understand that you guys have a similar sense of humor. But man, the pressure your mom puts on herself. Yeah. is very you. <laughs> <laughs> what? <do> you, what? <laughs> you put a lot of pressure on yourself to be like a good man, a good boyfriend mm -hmm. that I think sometimes drives you a little crazy. How do you see that playing out for yourself? Because when you feel Talk like about yourself, <laughs> MB Edgar, more like MB Anna. No, what? <laughs> Who's doing the real interviewing? That's what I'm saying. Talk about yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. But I think you. Uh, yeah, you, you punish yourself sometimes when you feel like you're not living up to those expectations. Yeah, I think those, I think that still has a lot to do with my father, uh, because he's such a good man. He's such a good man. I even though I think there's some stuff I don't know about him that would make me deeply disappointed in him that I don't want to know. Like what? I think he's a flirt, if I'm being mm. very honest. I think my dad's a flirt. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And my mom did talk about how one time they almost broke up because she found out when they were dating that he was still engaged to another woman. In That's Haiti. crazy. <laughs> That's not he's a flirt. That's crazy. <laughs> they almost broke up because she found out he was engaged. To a woman in Haiti doesn't even count. Like, Edgar, it's that's like, so problematic. That's not problematic. He was living in America is what I'm saying. They were just writing letters to each other. You think women in Haiti don't count? That's not what I'm saying. Uh, okay. What I'm saying is that he was just writing letters to her. Do you ever feel like there's things about your parents that you just don't want to know about? I mean, ob- besides the obvious things like their sex life and stuff like that. But like, do you ever wonder like... What is the bad in my parents? Or do you feel like you're fully aware of what it is? I think I know the tip of the iceberg. But I think I know that tip pretty well. It's not like I see nothing. What's the tip? Do you feel comfortable? <laughs> Sharing it? Mm-hmm. I think my parents almost broke up mm. also. Well into marriage, I think. Yeah, I'm talking about when my parents were dating. This wasn't like. Yeah, I think my mom just had sort of fallen out of love, to be honest. And then my dad got cancer. And that drastically changed the nature of the relationship. And there were a lot of factors. But I think that was maybe from the outside a main factor. And I think that made me see relationships in a very different way. In what way? And maybe this relates to our relationship. Because I think for a long time I saw relationships as this straight line. You meet someone. You fall in love with them. Maybe you decide they're the one, you get married to them, and the way you feel in that moment, if it's going to be a successful marriage, is the way you feel till you die. And if it's not a successful marriage, that the way you feel drops, drops out. And suddenly you wake up five years later and you're not in love anymore and maybe you cheat or maybe you don't or something happens to blow the marriage up or it doesn't blow up, you just like wither away in that failing marriage. Sure. I, I want to say that every what I want to say is extremely uh, not circumstantial. What's okay. the word? Um, based off of people's stories that they told me, mm-hmm. there's a word for that, right? Where this anecdotal. Ad- Thank you. A lot of married people that I've talked to have all said mm-hmm. that the idea that you're always in love is a complete fallacy. Yeah, that's and I think. I think I've sort of seen that in my parents' marriage where it's like, oh, so now this is my new hypothesis on what love is and what the kind of love you need to marry someone might be. Mm -hmm. I think we've all, and maybe not all of us, but I think there's a difference between dating someone where maybe it falls apart after a month Mm. because you just didn't like them enough. Mm Mm-hmm. Versus dating someone where you really date. Maybe you date for a year, you date for six months, whatever. You felt a legitimate connection Mm -hmm. that was both physical and emotional. Mm -hmm. I don't think the one exists. I don't even think you have multiple soulmates. I just think you date someone where you have that kind of connection. That's more than a month worth of connection. Sure. That's an emotional connection. And... If you both want the same thing, which, for example, my mom and my dad in 1987 wanted the same thing, to marry and have a family. Mm. My mom didn't have, I mean, I'm shortchanging her, but whatever. They wanted the same thing. You both want the same thing, and you're the age where everyone around you is either already married or getting married, or your parents are saying, it's time for you to get married. Mm. And then 
you just both decide that you're going to work together through all the times, including when you fall out of love or don't like each other or hate each other, you know, work through it because having that partnership is worthwhile to you. Sure. And I told Shakira this, actually, my friend Shakira. And she was like, wow, that's very unromantic. But I think that's the problem. I think that the problem is that we're such we're so sold on this idea of a romantic love. And I'm not saying that people don't have that. Mm-hmm. I think people have that. But I think people underestimate how much of that you have to create for yourself. Yeah. It's like the same thing of like luck in careers. A lot of people, what people assume to be luck isn't luck. It's a lot of fucking hard work on that person's behalf. They're like, this person's so lucky they got on this show. It's like, you didn't see how many auditions that person went through and like got rejected. You didn't That's see yeah. like all the stuff. And you're just like, oh, it's so lucky. But it's like, shut the fuck up. This person worked really hard to get to this spot. You just didn't see any of that. You're just seeing the end result. And so when you see people, a good a good relationship, when yeah. the people seem, well, okay. I mean, that gets into that other, other thing of the people who are very PDA on social media, who yeah. are like in your face, like we love each other so much. To me, that is also cloying because it's when anyone broadcasts their life as like really happy and good on social media because it's like, well, that's not the whole story because everyone struggles. Of course. And you don't see the fights that they have over, you know, the remote or the exes or whatever. Yeah. You don't see that that person like uses a Finsta or whatever. What's a Finsta? It's a fake Instagram. These situations are a lot more complicated than what we assumed them to be. That's true. We're getting away from the fact here. Does true love exist? Yes. Okay, so what do you mean by true love? I think true love exists in more ways than we think it exists. And I think that the biggest issue is that we think that we have to give true love away, and we don't think that we should receive it, and we also don't think we should receive it from ourselves. (laughs) What do you mean by that? I don't think we try to love ourselves as much as we try to love other people. I think that's true for myself. I think that's true for yourself. I think it's true for um, mm-hmm. uh, 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 a lot of people. And I think that like. So what's the difference between love and true love? I think the difference between. Oh, right, here's what it is. My mother said something to me, mm-hmm. which is so mean. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was like in love with a girl at some point. I told my mom I was in love with her. She said, how do you know if that person were to disable themselves today? How old were you? I was like 17 or 18. If they were to disable themselves today and then they poop on themselves, would you be okay bathing them and cleaning them? What'd you say? I said, I don't know. And I think that like, there's a bit of selflessness in that and stuff like that. And I'm not trying to say that that's like, that's not a romantic picture. Cleaning poop out of somebody's disabled body. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's like a very, uh, 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 necessary thing to have happen you know and and i think that i think we got to get over this image of true love being two people running down the street and grabbing each other and kissing them i think we got to redefine what true love looks like okay i mean find I, more moments like the cleaning the poop out of somebody's butt <laughs> would I'm you being clean 100%. the poop out of my butt if you needed it yes would you do it if i didn't need it no mm-hmm. absolutely not okay yeah, no, I, I respect myself enough to know that, yeah, if you did not need that to happen. But there are people who, right, like, 
people who in the situation where another person needs them or is leaning on let, let's maybe not use the word need but is leaning on them in a way that they wouldn't usually maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more they're people who run they're people who 100% run right yeah they're people who've been like hey I'm pregnant and the guy's out yeah and stuff like that that happens a lot so I think that it's redefining what those moments look like. And then another thing that I think about a lot is something that uh, Brittany Sagamini, who you're very familiar with, uh, a good teacher friend of mine who has been kind of an advisor and an aunt to me as I've grown older, mm-hmm. uh, said, write down all the worst qualities of the person that you're in a relationship with. This is when I was getting engaged the first time. When you were 22. And she said, mm-hmm. if... All of that could never change. Are you still okay being with this person? And that really rocked me. What's your answer? For what? You know what I'm asking. For yourself? Mm-hmm. It's a tough question. It's a tough question. Well, you know? what's your answer? Could I get over the fact that you consistently eat cheese even though you know it's going to make you poop and shit yourself all day i don't shit myself <laughs> i don't know that is a rude exaggeration of my lactose intolerance <laughs> to be fair would you clean it if you needed it not if you wanted it uh, again if i'm watching you actively cause yourself to poop yourself now that's some victim blaming that's not victim blaming Anna. you have a choice um yeah i i think that's a question that everyone has to ask themselves what are my worst qualities? We'll have more on Selena's when we come back from the break. And we're back on another episode of NP Edgar speaking with filmmaker, comedian, Florida native, mm-hmm. Anna Salinas. Mm-hmm. I think defining them as worst qualities is bad. It's things <laughs> that... Ooh. Walked yourself out of that one. It's things that irk you about the person, because they could also be about yourself, right? There are things that mm-hmm. person A may feel like is a bad quality in person B, but person C sees as a value. Like what? For you specifically? Mm-hmm. Man, that's, come on, what is this? What, like what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm just asking. What are you doing? What do you want? The is listeners that what you want? wanna know. The listener, I think you want to know. You wanna start some <laughs> Let's shit. Let's make it juicy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not answering this. I'm not even gonna. I didn't have an answer to think to start with, so I'm not running into your little game. But that's something that I'm trying to learn to stay away from my little games. No, no, I I, I continually fall into them and they make my life miserable. Uh, but that being said, the difference between a flaw and a difference. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I think that. For example, if I liked the band Fall Out Boy and you went, Yuck, if I liked the, I, you do I like the band Fall Out Boy. I hate that band. That band is gross. They suck. You're lame for liking them. Mm-hmm. I could take that as a flaw in my personality. Or I can just say, she doesn't like it, but I like it. And I know other people that like it. And that's just a difference. I do think Fall Out Boy is not that good. Mm-hmm. And it's weird how much you like them. Those first three albums, bang. The same could be said for Panic at the Disco. That Those first two albums, bang. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's even like something like independence. Yeah, for some people, a virtue. For some people, 
a bother. And, 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 and you know, I know that some people are going to be like, well, if they don't like that you're independent, that's a red flag. I think it's there's levels to this shit. For example, there are some people who are like, I like for my partner to communicate with me and being like, hey, I'm doing this. This like not a report, but there's some people who enjoy that. We like to people, be in the loop. Yeah. And then there's some people who are just like, I don't give a fuck what you're doing because I'm someone who likes to tell people what I'm up to. But if I was dating someone and I was just like, hey, I'm going to go do this. And they went, don't fucking tell me that shit. I think I'd be hurt by that. Like if they didn't want to know, I'd be like, oh, I'm I think it happens more the reverse. What? Where certain people are used to operating without a lot of communication or transparency. I think for yourself, yeah. <laughs> I think you're, wow, I you're, think really, you're specifically talking you're about yourself. You're etching me out to be such a sneaky person. I'm, I'm not talking God. that you're a sneaky person. I think you're just talking about yourself and saying you think it works in reverse okay. as a general thing when you're actually no, but talking I, about yourself. For example, my last relationship, mm-hmm. we were two people who did not communicate much sure. but we were very similar in that respect and yeah. i think you know we didn't get into a lot of fights because of that because sure. we had our separate lives mm-hmm. and uh we didn't confide in each other a lot mm-hmm. um i think some people would even question were the two of you in a relationship <laughs> you know we didn't see each other that often to be uh, as much as he was having sex with other people it turned out then who knows <laughs> <laughs> you know i maybe the joke was on me no 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 i think it's just a difference it is a difference in terms of the <laughs> i mean that is also that true of that relationship where it turned out he was a serial cheater but i think it was such a culture shock when I started dating you with communication because you are a very communicative person mm-hmm. and you are really well versed at talking about your feelings. Yeah. Um, in a way. Listen that ladies. No one I've ever dated is as into talking about feelings as you are. Mm-hmm. Even when we had a fight where it was like you wanted to talk it out no matter what. That was very jarring because I was used to in every other relationship I had having a fight and walking away. Yeah. Which is which some of that is healthy. Mhm. Some space afterwards is healthy. Like we listened to that uh, we were listening to that anger podcast on the way back from the drive to San Francisco where he's just I think like it was sometimes Ted Radio Hour. Yeah. And they did an episode on anger. And then uh, uh, they were just like, "Hey, uh Sometimes it's okay to tell a person, I need some space right now. I'm not upset with you. I just know that if I were to talk to you, I would say very hurtful things. But I I, I wonder about that because I have said that to you. And I'm not saying it was in a perfect, healthy yeah, way. I don't know if you said it in the way but that they said you, that. you said that that wasn't fair to you because you, um, if if we have a fight and I'm like, I need space, you walk away and like, are tortured sure but i also think that like there's thinking about like there's an element of that that of where i have to think i take care of myself in those moments and have to do like i can't always be dependent on you to patch up how i'm feeling right as well as what was happening with sometimes when like i think there's falls on both sides right i was like oh let's fix this so i feel better but also you would just do this thing where we would fight and then we would go away for a bit and you'd be like, hey, let's go get dinner. And we'd go get dinner. <laughs> and then we'd go to the movies. 
And then we'd and come home and go to bed. And writhing then, in pain the whole time because you were like, we never talked it out. Exactly. But I was exactly. feeling fine because I got to cool down. And that's what I think it has to be a little bit of a balance, right? Mm. If we want that, if that's what the relationship wants and if that's how both people want to work together, right? Because there's always mm-hmm. going to be differences. Because I was just like, yeah, we can't just like pretend like, you know, we just didn't just have an argument. But for you, that is a way that sometimes may be healthy or unhealthy. You deal with things. And I think it's finding that balance and what's healthy for that relationship, which is, again, what I just want to go back to the fact that when I said you're good at communicating your feelings, you said, you hear that, ladies? (laughs) (laughs) As we were having a heart to heart (laughs) about a relationship, you just shouted out to all the single ladies out there. I didn't shout out to single ladies. So that they, oh, sorry, all the women both in and out of relationships. That That is correct. To know that you... Were a communicator when it came to your feelings and mm. would be a good partner That's right. to them. To anyone. <laughs> we get it, Edgar. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Do you get hit on a lot? No. What about in your DMs? Nope. You know what I get a lot of about in my DMs? Yeah. Uh, advice for 2K, Sprite Beams. And every so now and then, hey, how do I start a podcast? You're telling me you've never been hit on in a DM? When I worked at BuzzFeed, yes. Really? Mm-hmm. People would, which which media? It was people who wanted to save me, which I didn't like. What do you mean save you? I would be in a lot of videos on BuzzFeed talking about how depressed I was and stuff like that. And, and, and stuff like, you know, anytime there's like a police shooting, they do a BuzzFeed video. And I would be on those videos talking about how I felt about it. There's a lot of people who were just like, I just wish you felt safe and I felt you wish you felt protected it was like a lot girls of older women mm. in fact when we first started dating there was an older woman who had slid into your dms remember on facebook oh from the uh mm-hmm. from the art thing i think i had told you about that it hadn't just happened maybe i told you the story about that i feel like it was unfolding no 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 that was during another relationship but I had told you the story. Yes, this older woman who had offered that I uh, help teach an art class with her and then was just like, can you meet at my house at 9 a.m. or something like that? I thought it was like 9 p.m. No, it was 9 a.m. And I was like, that's really early. But it was a very, it like. She's like, but I want to make you coffee. And I said. (laughs) It got even more explicit than that. And then I said, I don't drink coffee. And then I said, I'm sorry, can I ask what your expectations are? And she said, I've had all relationships with a lot of people. A painter, an actor, a dominatrix. How about we just talk and figure it out? And I'm like, <gasps> I'm okay. What a move. What a move. <laughs> yeah, she was like 60 or something like that. She was not 60. Yes, yeah, she was. She was like 50. No, she wasn't. She had a daughter not that much younger than me. Hmm. So that's the only time? No, I'm saying recently? when I worked at BuzzFeed. Recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People don't hit on me like that. You're lying to my fucking face. I'm not lying to Lying you. to my face. Because you always say, whenever <laughs> you feel underappreciated, you go, mm, people people are lighting up my DMs. That's jokes. You better just, watch yourself. Oh, Jesus Christ. People are constantly sliding into Jesus my DMs. Jesus Christ. Although you came here to promote a film. Uh, your film Foghorn is about a woman who starts hearing a foghorn out of her vagina. Anna, what inspired you to make that film quickly as we wrap things up? I have public health insurance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it is difficult to tend to my reproductive health with public health insurance because 
it's really hard to see a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, it I go to it like make attaining your refills hard. Yeah, I go to a public clinic. It takes like three months to get an appointment. Once I'm there, it's very like which I feel lucky at least have public health insurance because we live in California. But it's very like no personal attention. Um. And so I'm kind of at their mercy a little bit with my birth control. Like I can't just call them up and be like, or like slide in for a quick appointment because everything is so bureaucratic and takes so long. And it made you feel as if you weren't in ownership of your own body. Yeah, and I kept having these gaps between the pill because it would like take so long to get that appointment. And I am someone who is very affected by my period when I'm off the pill. like. I'm very emotional. Mm. My periods are really bad. Mm. I, I like break out. I'm I want to say I've never noticed. Oh, shut up. I have it. I'm shut, being shut. You've literally said to me, maybe it's your new birth control. You're very emotional. I did not. I've never <laughs> said that. <laughs> you're um, literally lying. I wouldn't. I. I don't. I don't know when you're on it and when you're off yeah, it right. until once the, you said, "Are you on your period?" Oh, that makes sense. That makes I sense. I never said that. But anyway, I never. I want to make clear. Aside from the, the fact that you're shaming me about being never, hormonal, I've never said that. Please, guess to this podcast <laughs> or listeners to this podcast, I've never yeah. said those things. But I do. I feel like I don't have control over it, and I also think there's a lot about the way reproductive health. I mean, totally aside from abortions, because I think the story we hear is always about abortion, which is important. But like just the pill is this weird fight. And like the way I take my pill is like I would skip my off week because my um, doctor, my gynecologist was like, you can do that if you want. It's like it's no harm to you. But I can't actually do that because the way insurance works, I like if I do that, then I have a whole week off the pill because they won't give it to you before your refills up. And there's. I just feel like there's all this stuff and like I would like to be trying new um, birth controls, but the way, you know, it's just difficult. And I've also been on ones that were like horrible and like seasonique, gave me the worst pain of my life. And I just wanted to tell a story about women's reproductive health that was not about abortion, but that also portrayed how powerless you could feel as a woman. And what I also enjoy about it is that you're doing it in your own way, right? It's very uh, surreal and and stuff, abstract and all of that, right? Just yeah. like your comics, there's this element of magical realism to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not super straightforward. I mean, it is a surreal comedy, and um, it is somewhat inspired by the world of my comics. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't, I think, I don't really like telling straightforward stories. Yes. Um, that's why my comics include like a big depression blob voiced by you in the crowdfunding video. Yeah. Not for everyone listening, Ecker makes an appearance in that Seed and Spark video. Well, I will say this. I think that your film is something that if our listeners have an opportunity to donate to, I think it's worth donating to, not because you're my partner, but because I do think it is. You're a the very, executive producer. You can a say very that. Good script. Yeah, but I don't want people to think that I'm No, it feels like you're not like you don't want to say you're attached <laughs> to it. You plugging and I'm like, just say you're the executive <laughs> producer. <laughs> I that I, I don't mean to call you out on this podcast as I usually do, but that is an insecurity of your own. That is me trying to say <laughs> 
I don't want anyone to think that I'm biased. I do think that this is a very good project. It's a very good script. And I hope that people can help you out and donate to your project. Could you please tell them where they could donate? Um, you can find links on all of my social media, including Instagram and Twitter, at Bad Comics by Anna, comics with an X, Anna with two N's. And um, you can also just visit Seedens Park and search Foghorn. Mm-hmm. That's the movie because it's about a girl whose vagina starts blasting a foghorn. Um yeah, and then you can just donate $5, $2, $10, $50, whatever. You're running an Elizabeth Warren campaign for this film. <laughs> it is. So many people have given me $5 um, because of like Instagram. Because I have like a, a quantity, a large quantity, but everyone's just donating $5. But it adds up. That is like most of my donations, and we're already up to 86% funded. And you're just asking for a home run. You came onto this podcast asking for some help with a home run. <laughs> yeah, we have one week to go till the campaign ends. So one week to close the gap. Please, please, please donate. Um, I really want to make this movie. Well, Miss Salinas, I'd like to thank you for coming on to this podcast <laughs> and having, uh, I think, a fairly vulnerable, fairly honest conversation towards the end there. You did direct it back at me and make some wild accusations. You started uh, this interview by saying that I wouldn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't get vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But you did, and I'm very surprised by it. Think, and, would uh, you say I was right? Would you say the words, you were right? No, I, I don't find those words coming up to my mouth. Typical. Uh, but thank you so much for being here. You can find Anna at Bad Comics by Anna on any piece of social media. Again, the film is Foghorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's uh, what if a girl's vagina started emitting the sounds of a foghorn. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the movie. At Jaquise Neal on every single piece of social media. At Edgar Mobazier on Twitter. At Awfulgram on Instagram. Guys, I am being told by weather experts. It's not me saying this. It's the experts. They've told me their expert opinions. Which, if you're an expert, your opinion. I know a lot of people don't know this. Updated to a fact. And the fact is, fall is here, which means <laughs> What a that... <laughs> lead up. I like honestly was like, where is Edgar going with this? <laughs> which, which means uh, that you can go ahead and pick up your Culture Kings fall specific merch. We have some new designs up over at tpublic.com slash Culture Kings. Uh, again, thank you for listening to NP Edgar. I don't know where you're listening to this. Perhaps you're listening to this in your car. Perhaps you're listening to this on uh, some of the new public transportation available in states that previously had their public transportation blocked by the Koch brothers. Perhaps you're a young boy in Germany who's confused. <laughs> About Do you have listeners in Germany? You have listeners in Sweden. Yes. I mean, they found Culture Kings through me, but... Yeah, I have some listeners in Sweden. You do. So shout out to my listeners in Sweden. Yeah. haagen Not Swedish. Mm. Should I try one more? Uh-huh. Swiss Mountain Hot you, Chocolate. It has Swiss in the name. Mm. Should I try one more? Mm-hmm. Lars von Trier. Danish. Ooh, one more? Mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren, my friends. <laughs> he is Swedish. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And have a good evening. <laughs>